Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Hi, Michigan Baptist. This is Mike Durbin. I'm hosting Punching Holes in the Darkness. Today, we're going to be speaking with Karen Villapondo of Memorial Baptist Church about child ministry. She's going to be helping us deal with some of the many challenges that are being faced today in children's ministry in light of the pandemic. Friends, we want to welcome today uh, One Mission TV as our sponsor here at uh, Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. They have been an invaluable partner with us since I've come here to uh, the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. What they effectively have done is they took all of our media resources and we put them together in this one neat package that One Mission TV takes care of. They're just doing an admirable job for us and have really taken us to a different level in our media work. Here's some things they've done for us. They've done web design, they can do logo design, designs for print materials, and of course any kind of video presence and, and recording you'd like to do. And uh, they've really helped us enhance our online presence as they can for you. Great guys, great partners, you will be glad you have done this. They're really a one call media company and I think you'll be blessed by using One Mission TV. And friends, if you want to contact One Mission TV, you can do so at info at onemission.tv. That's info at onemission.tv. Hi, Michigan Baptists. On today's edition of Punching Holes in the Darkness, we have a subject that is always timely to our Michigan Baptist churches. That is the subject of providing a safe and healthy environment for the children that God entrusts to our care. We have with us uh, Karen Villapondo. Karen is a name that uh, many of us will recognize. She's been working in our convention for, for many, many years. In fact, she's my go-to person when I have a question about education regarding uh, children. She is at her church, Memorial Baptist Church, where she is in charge of uh, early childcare education. So welcome to Punching Holes in the Darkness, Ms. Karen. It's good to be with you today. Excellent, excellent. Well, listen, we wanna talk about how do we do children's ministry safely during and after a pandemic today? Well, I think that parents want to know that their church is up to date on the protocols and they may stay away until they're sure that their church does the right thing. Uh, like their childcare and their schools do. If the church appears unconcerned or uninformed and they move forward with business as usual, it can be dangerous to children's ministry growth for now and the future. Parents will go to places where they feel their children are safe if we don't provide it. Uh, so now's the time to implement all the things you ever thought you wanted to do and just couldn't make it happen. This is a good time to get that done. Yeah, it really think, is timely, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, parents are uh, putting their kids back in school this year. There are lots of questions. I mean, school for many of, has already started. And if it hasn't yet, it's going to be starting in the next few days. And there's just been a lot of concern being expressed. And that's true of children in our various ministries of, of church as well. 
Yes. And it's not just safety about virus, it's general safety that all the churches need to give attention to with all the things that have come out about abuse. So this is the time to really implement things that, that go forward that 25, 30 years from now are going to make a difference on who your church is. Yeah. What would you say to a church about setting up, uh, getting started to have that kind of plan in place? Well, I suggested you put together a small team for starters and write your health and safety plan. And the team would include a key leader, um, somebody who's keeping up with the CDC and healthcare and uh, guidelines. We just want to be sure that a teacher or a healthcare professional, someone is involved in the discussion that is, has kept up and that knows there's been a volume of things to read this year and most people don't have time for it, but teachers, child care professionals, healthcare professionals do. So you write up a plan. Uh, the pastor needs to be on board. Uh, the Bible studies ministry leader should be on board and everybody gathers. At the bare minimum, we would do sanitizing spaces, hand washing at entry, distance seating, no sick children in class. You have to start somewhere. Um, I think every church has to decide for themselves what they're going to do about masking. And it's partly based on what your community spread is right now. And so, so everybody just needs to decide and be on board so you don't have the argument about it. Sure. Um, it's a good time to create a closed environment also. Like if you've always had trouble keeping people, random people out of your children's ministry area, this is a good time to say, no, we're stopping at the door and only the children and teachers are coming in. People have wanted to do that for a long time, but it's hard to do it because of the feeling of familiarity. So I think now's a good time to do that. Excellent, excellent. Now, if I understand properly, Memorial Baptist has remained open in terms of their children's ministry during the pandemic. Is that is that correct? And uh, well, what kinds of things did you do to navigate uh, that during this season? We did take some time off. We uh, at the beginning until we could figure out how to control it. We did take March into May, where we did not meet and children did not meet. We opened childcare back up in May. Uh, we did everything outdoors for the summer, including a small VBS, all outdoors. And then in the fall, when we opened back up, we've not had any spread. We've not had any issues, and people have been very peaceful, knowing that we took we took charge and said, we're going to keep this safe here. So it's pretty much, it's just a matter of we eased back in. And I think that might be a good idea. Pick a launch date and what you're going to launch that day. Have a, have a goal, like a short-term goal. We're just going to start preschool Sunday school to start say, then in January, we're going to add this other, this other thing in. It's just, I think it's pick a launch date to start and then ease your way back in is a good way to go. Sure. Well, you know, what What about curriculum? What What do you recommend for churches to be using? I am, I am a believer in curriculum because I think if we don't use curriculum, it devolves into a babysitting hour. So by using curriculum, you're saying we're serious about children's ministry. Um, young parents are accustomed to high quality environments for their kids. They're accustomed to even if they drop their children off at the, the gym childcare, there's going to be some kind of a program. We want our curriculum to be doctrinally sound. We want it to be uh, consistent in scope so that a child doesn't go through all the way through Sunday school, learning three basic stories. Uh, yeah. You, you know how it goes. They, they get Moses in the reeds and they get 
Noah's Ark and they get the boy with the fishes and not much else if you don't have a curriculum because everybody who comes in thinks my favorite story is the boy with the fishes and they might get that five times a year and never get young King Josiah so in the Old Testament so by using curriculum by the time a child's grown they're going to have the whole biblical story not just that that teacher's favorite and so I think that choosing a curriculum, we'd use Lifeway curriculum. Uh, we do like Bible studies for life for preschool. Uh, Explore the Bible is another option. And the Gospel Project, we feel like that works really well for four and five-year-olds and up, but it is not well-developed for um, the infants and toddlers. Yes, yeah. curriculum for infants and toddlers. So I'm, a, I'm a, a great believer in using it. Also, you can teach new teachers better if you've got something to hand them. Otherwise, they could be bringing something in that you don't want in. Let's say they were raised in a faith tradition where that honors Mother Mary, and that seeps into your Sunday school, honors her in an inappropriate way. Sure. And, or let's say they are a, of the name it and claim it background. That seeps into Sunday school if you don't have a curriculum. So I'm very much a believer in using Lifeway curriculum because we know it's, it's, the, it's the right doctrine at the right time in a child's life. Yeah, it's doctrinally sound. But beyond that, LifeWay curriculum is designed so that every so many years, a child has gone through the complete story of the Bible. Not just the favorite stories, but over a course of uh, four to six years, they will have heard the great, great truths of Scripture in their lives. And that's an exciting Yeah, if we want kids to be doctrinally sound and have a Christian worldview, it starts with churches being serious about curriculum. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So how would you suggest that a church go about instituting some of these new things that uh, you're mentioning? Well, they're not new things, but it may be new to that church. Like like curriculum, you mean, or new protocols? Well, coming back to church again, uh, new curriculum, new protocols. Uh, it's just a new day with new opportunities. So how do we uh, gently pl- put these things in place and have a good, if we haven't continued Sunday school, have at least a good, or Bible study, have a good relaunch of these ministries? I think it starts by putting your children's ministry team back together. Uh, think of the people who've always worked, but also think of people who have been overlooked. Pull a team together. If one person says this is how it's going to be, it's doomed. <laughs> but if you have a team together that all work together, you can create something new. Uh, I, I believe in starting with dinner because it doesn't hurt to invite people to lunch and even call people who've never been invited before and say, we're putting together a new team. We'd like for you to be on it because and tell them what it is you see about them. They may be a treasured grandparent in the church. They may be a teacher in school who knows things that you want your team to know. And so just choose some people, pull them together for a a lunch or a dinner and say, let's talk about how to do this. We want your input. And by by starting with that team, you can launch it. I I have seen the power of the T-shirt. When you you launch a team, order a T-shirt with a special logo that says to the church, we are special. We are a team. Ah, nice. It, it, It does something strange for morale. And uh, that they have the T-shirt. We, I've got, I'm wearing my Memorial Baptist Church with children playing all across the front of it. I'm wearing that shirt today because it says something. We are a team. We are getting things done. We care about the children. So I think getting that team together is the first step. 
Okay, folks, we'll be right back with a continuation of Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. Friends, I want to introduce to you one of our new partners. It is GuideServe. They are our financial partner who helps us take care of all of our nickels and noses, so to speak. Uh, GuideServe is an outsourced accounting partner for our Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Uh, GuideServe provides professional accounting solutions to churches and ministries all across the country. And they offer, they truly offer some comprehensive accounting and payroll solutions to organizations ranging from just beginning church plant to large churches and expansive ministries. And listen, if you'd like to know more about them, you can visit their website at guideserve.com or send them an email at info at guideserve.com. And by the way, if you mention BSCM, uh, when you do, it'll be a benefit to us as well. So welcome our new partner, Guideserve. In terms of establishing that team, uh, what are some of the things that you look for in somebody who's a part of the team? I look for people who are kind, for starters. Once I chose a person based on, I saw her cross a room to tie a child's shoe. And that tells me that that person noticed the child and and was willing to meet a need. So I think it starts with looking for people with a genuine heart for others. I think grandparents and parents should be included because if you try to do things around them, it will backfire on you for sure. <laughs> That's the, right. The parents need to feel that they're included because they, we are the supporters of the parents. We're not replacing them in Bible teaching and discipleship even. We're supporting them. So including some of those, they'll also have your back later if somebody doesn't like a decision you made. Those parents and grandparents you included will say, no, 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 that didn't happen that way. I was at that meeting and so uh i think that's i I would choose parents grandparents teachers i'd choose a health professional who who, if you can and that could be their contribution to the team they're going to be the ones you consult about health and safety issues even if they don't come in and teach every sunday so pulling together those people one key leader will be will be critical and then have that leader reach out and pull in some people some one person might just be the person who's going to bring the snack every week, but they will know they're on that team and they have an important role. So that's how I go about thinking about not one person who can do everything, but a group of people who together are magic. Excellent. Yeah, Shar and I are so grateful for the men and women down through the years who helped us uh, educate our children. You know, we had uh, great Bible study teachers. I I can still vividly remember my my boys when we'd get to church in the morning, running down the hallway to get into their Bible study class and uh, being greeted by loving, not always uh, grandparents, but we had one who was Grandma Frances, you know, and she just loved all the kids in the church and just made an impact in the lives of our children and the lives of, of a lot of other children as well. Uh, we're so grateful for all those who engage in children's ministry. It's a, it's a tough job uh, being a, a parent nowadays, and uh, uh, we're just grateful for those who come alongside uh, and share our biblical values and our love and kindness that we want for uh, our children. So that's great. Well, how, how can we help parents and grandparents partner with us? I think that's really it, calling them individually and asking for input. 
I think that when sometimes we send out an email or put out a flyer and think we've done our job and that really isn't going to be it, it still comes back to the personal touch. Some of the young parents prefer a text, but I would text them and say, hey, when can we talk? Sure. Because if I say I, we're getting ready to reopen and I need your input, that places value and call every parent and say we're getting ready to relaunch whatever it is and I need your input ask for their input, and then do some of it. You may not be able to do everything they say, but if they say, um, please don't go so heavy on the sugar things, do it. If they say, please, can you have a gluten-free option? Do it. If they say, can children's Sunday evening start at five, not six? We can't get them in bed when you start at six. Don't think of all the reasons you can't do that. Think of the reasons why you have to. And, and then make it happen for them. So even if you back it up a half hour, it says, I listened to you. So I think the, the best way to get them on the team is to talk to them and really listen and really implement. And then again, include them in the decision-making. Sure, there'll be a lot of great ideas out there, won't there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, um, if anything, have you been able to do with uh, parents or grandparents or caregivers who have been you know, reluctant to introduce their their child, the, the most precious you know person in their their lives, back into a group environment uh, like our Bible study programs at at church. What 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 are those conversations like? How are you reassuring them? Uh, pretty much, some parents will just do it because they're ready to get back to normal. So those aren't the ones we're most concerned about. It's the ones who are saying, "Oh, I don't know." If you give them the list of the protocols that you've established, and then you demonstrate that you're committed to it, they're more likely to come back. They need it in writing. What are you gonna do? If you're gonna do temp checks at the door, are you gonna do hand washing? We're not letting visitors into the room, only teachers and children. If you've got that all in writing, parents are much more likely to think, okay, okay, I think they've got it together. Just as an example, like when you walk in a church and the front door, the front glass door is dirty, it makes you think the whole church is dirty. Just keeping that front glass door clean even says yeah. clean. Having hand sanitizer and someone to sign in, it, it tells those parents that we're serious. Yeah. And of course, at the end of the day, we respect everything they decide. They have uh, absolute authority, you know, to mm -hmm. make the decisions they're, they're, they're ready to make at the time they're wanting to make that decision. I would say do a lot of outside events as well. I think that's one of the things that got everybody on board here. We did everything from our childcare Christmas program outside, everything, DBS, everything went outside and that helped parents think, okay, I can do that. And then when they saw outside being safe, they trusted inside. Sure. And bottom line is you've stayed open for most of the pandemic and are continuing mm -hmm. to stay open mm -hmm. and not a single person has picked up COVID in the environments no that you COVID guys here. Yeah. No yeah. COVID. So it can be done. It and, can be. Uh, yeah. And we're grateful for you sharing your wisdom and experience uh, with Michigan Baptist, you know, churches as we move forward together during this period in time. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that you think would be especially beneficial? I think it's important that uh, pastors and leaders treat childcare ministry as important as the other ministries. An example, in churches that I visit, I often see that their media team is very consistent. Their music team is very consistent, 
but they have the, an idea of we just throw in whoever into the back with the kids who's available today go go take care of the kids uh, that's we have to switch over to where that team is treated as valuable you don't have a different worship leader every Sunday. You don't have a different media person every Sunday. You can't get consistency that way. So that back room is just as important as your front room. And uh, that so if everybody can go there, that, that just changes the whole church's attitude about what's going on. And then when these kids grow up and they're 18, one of the, I think a strength at Memorial is when they're 18, they're still highly connected to the mothership. Amen. They go away to college and they come back. They move. They'll be gone five, six, seven years. They come back. This is where they come. They live somewhere else. Someone says, I'm moving to the Detroit area. Where should I go to church? They send them here. And that kind of value starts in the infantile, the preschool area. And it goes on through. Our person, by the way, is Miss Darlene. Everybody who's under 25 years old here had Miss Darlene as their first teacher. And she's yeah. still teaching. And so those are the things I guess I want the church to grab is let's not treat it like babysitting. Children's ministry is key to the future of the church, to the doctrinal development of your church. And it's gonna, it's what you put into the DNA for your future. Yeah, every child needs to miss Darlene in his or her life. Somebody yeah. who just loves them to Jesus and cares for them. Yeah, yes. yeah, I, we I want that. To, I'm available if a church wants to just have a chat because I recognize that my situation is different than somebody else's. But if anybody wants to have a chat, I am available and, and you can put my email out there and people can write me and we, we can talk. I'll, I'll sit with you, I'll come to you if you want me to, I'm available. Well, you already know that I always rely on you for those types of uh, consultations and things. We're so grateful for your ministry, first to your local church, but beyond that, you've uh, shared your resources with uh, uh, churches all across the state of Michigan and beyond. We're grateful for you and your husband, Leonard, and uh, for the ministry of Memorial Baptist Church. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.